So, the Gemara says a story about Rav Meir. Rav Meir, well, actually, the anniversary of Rav Meir's passing was just uh, yesterday. Um, actually, the argument of exactly when his passing was 13th, 14th year. Rav Meir Balanes, Rav Meir, the one who's, yeah. So, the mayor was giving a speech. It was late at night. People came to hear a speech. And there was one woman who came to hear a speech. It was already late at night. And uh, she came home. And it was dark at home. And uh, her husband was so upset that she came so late. And he, he asked, why did you come home so late? He said, well, I wanted to hear the rabbi talk. So her husband got so angry. He said, you cannot come back to the house until you spit in that rabbi's eye. Okay. So, um, right? <laughs> so, so she goes, doesn't know what to do exactly, but uh, Rameyer sensed what was going on with his divine inspiration. Rameyer says, Oh yeah, I have a problem with my eye. In those days is to heal different things through saliva. So he said, I need someone who has saliva that uh, could possibly heal my eye. Is anyone, can anyone do this? And all of her friends are like, go, go, go. And, she, and when she got to the shul to volunteer her services, as being the expert saliva distributor in the, uh, that region, uh, she just she couldn't, she couldn't talk. So the mayor told her, spit on my eye seven times. Not just one, spit on my eye seven times. Tell your husband that you asked me to spit, spit at him one time, I spit at him seven times. So the students of the mayor heard about this, and they asked the mayor, um, wouldn't there have been an easier way? You could have just told us to take the guy and give him what for until he uh, calms down. So why do you have to deprecate your own prestige and, and yourself and respect of the Torah by having this lady spit in your eye? So the mayor said, it's better for a person to uh, give up of his honor in order to preserve the honor between a husband and wife. The word the Gemara uses all the time, and the word that people use today is shalom bias, peace at home, which is an interesting word. Why is that the word people use to describe a harmony between a husband and wife? You could say a husband and wife have a connection to each other. You could say they love each other. But the word that people always use is Shalom Bayis, is peace at home. Shalom Bayis is also the acronym for Shin Bet. Shin Bet is the name of Israel's secret service. Sometimes you see talking to someone and say, I have to go. Why have to go? Shin Bet. Shalom Bayis. Yeah. Shin Bet is some secret reason going on at home. and different. So the question is, why do we use that word? The Gemara does say, we find this word often in the Torah and Judaism, and as we'll see throughout our entire um, in Jewish experience, you, you find the word shalom all the time. It's even an English word. In the Webster Dictionary, you'll find the word shalom. It's, it's such a common word that it's considered an English word. So there is the expression in the Talmud, if there's no shalom, if there's no peace, there is nothing. If there is peace, then you have everything. You can have all other blessings have everything you want, but if you don't have peace, you don't have anything. That's why at the end of Shemona Esrei, the last bracha we ask for is, Sim Shalom, give us peace. Without that, there's nothing. 
and also the Kohanim, the Kohanim of the famous Bracha. What's the last word of the, of the Bracha of the Kohanim? The Yasef. Okay, so what is the meaning of Shalom? People conventionally usually translate the word Shalom as to not be at war. But the Torah doesn't say it that way. Like in the next week's Parsha, the Torah says you'll live peacefully in the land, you'll live securely in the land. And after the Torah says you'll live securely in the land, the next Pasuk is, and I'll give you Shalom. It means Shalom is something beyond living in a situation where there's no war. Shalom is more than just not being at war. So the question is, what is Shalom? If it's not being at war, if there's already, there's already peace, there's already no fighting, what is Shalom? And this is something that we come across this word everywhere we, everywhere we go. In our tradition, the way we say hello, the idea of saying hello is to say like, oh, I noticed you, you're, you're here. Uh, or like, you can go. Hi. You, the formal use of greeting isn't boker tov, isn't good morning, isn't good evening. Our way of saying hello is shalom. And again, the question is, what is this bracha? What are we always wishing each other shalom? What do we mean when we say shalom? Why, do, why, is, that, why is that the Jewish word? What, why is, in more than any other word that people know in Hebrew, it's shalom. You know, someone who comes to Israel, as soon as they say shalom, then everyone in Israel knows, oh, this guy's a green, green we could, we could, we, this, this guy, we could try selling him the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bridge, he used, the, he used the traditional American word of like, oh, I know Hebrew. So, what does it mean? So, we find the word shalom first used in greeting by Yisrael. When Moshe Rabbeinu bid Yisrael farewell, he says, lech shalom, go in peace. And the Talmud says that it's customary, it's been established, that you should... You should inquire other people's uh, welfare with Hashem's name and use the word Shalom. Shalom is one of the names of God. Also on Shabbos, people say Shabbat Shalom. What's the idea of Shabbat Shalom? There is some kind of connection between Shalom and Shabbos. Why don't we say, I mean, in Yiddish we do say, have a good Shabbos. But there's also expression Shabbat Shalom. And also, even those who say good Shabbos also come home on the Friday night. What do they sing? They sing, they sing Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem. What are we, why are we asking for Shalom? The whole Shabbos is, Shabbos is actually called Sukkah Shalom, the Sukkah of peace. What is this Shalom that we are asking for and looking for and begging for and wishing each other whenever we see people? Shalom, Shalom. What, what is that? So even when we pray Shalom Esrei, at the end of Shalom Esrei we say, Ose Shalom Imraima. God makes peace among his supernal beings. Who are the supernal beings? Where it says there is an angel of Machal, angel Gabriel. Machal is the angel of, of, uh, of um, snow, and Gabriel is the angel of fire. And Hashem makes peace, makes shalom between them. So what, what is this continued search for peace, even in the higher celestial worlds? What's going on? So the answer is like this. Shalom does not mean just not to be at war. It means shalom is the opposite of being solo. It's the opposite of being lonely. The idea of shalom means that not just that you're you're not at war with someone else, but that you're working together. That there is that there is a that there is a shittif pu'ulah. Shittif pu'ulah means that you're you're trying to accomplish something together. There are couples that are good at in the love arena, but they're missing something in the shittif pu'ulah and, and working together. They don't properly evaluate the other, their spouse, 
and to work as a team. That's what it is. Shalom is the idea of working together as a team, teamwork. You recognize your value, and you have a place. You recognize the other person's value, and they have a place. And you're able to work together and, and say we could do something. Uh, as opposed to the old adage that uh, uh, in every couple there's one spouse that's always right and the other one is the husband. The, um, the idea of Shalom is that you uh, realize that you have your value, and the other person has their value, and you, um, and you and you try to figure out where your energies are and, and to work together, and, and each one using their talents, their, their gifts. That's the idea of wishing someone, when you say hello to someone, you say shalom. What do you have shalom? Shalom means you're inviting them into your world. You say, I have space for you in my world. We can we can't just coexist, but we can work together. There's room for you. I need you and you need me. Let's, let's, get, let's get together. That's the have shalom. I, there's, play, there's room for both of us. And we'll have them when, when dogs meet. What do dogs do? They look at each other and they're, they're, they're both afraid and they start barking at each other and, and is it's not enough for me, not enough for you. If, the, if you have and I have less, there's a Jew who asked this Polish tzaddik, he said, um, he wanted a bracha for parnasa. And he said, this guy is stealing my parnasa. So the, the tzaddik responded to him, he said, have you ever noticed that when a horse goes to drink, before the horse drinks, the horse steps into the water. Why does a horse step in the water before he drinks? The tzaddik said, as a horse goes to the water, looks in the water, and he sees a reflection of himself, and the horse thinks it's another horse. So the horse is like, yay, this is my water, go away, it's not enough room for, for both of us. So that's the opposite of shalom. The opposite of shalom is that you feel that there's no room for anybody else, and instead, you, um, you have room, and you, and, you, and you invite someone in, in, into your space, and you say that, and you find your, you know where your space is, and there's room for someone else. It says, that's what Shabbos accomplished. Before Shabbos, there was some kind of friction in creation. Night wanted more night, day wanted more day, winter wanted more time, summer wanted more time. And Shabbos caused peace in all of creation. That's the idea of when you say the word Shalom Bayis. That's what it means. That's in the Yaakov Shemini, when the Medish Yaakov Shemini says the following story. There was a couple, and the husband met Elijah. And Eliyahu Nabi told this guy, he said to him, what would you rather have? Would you rather you could have six years of good fortune, either have it now or at the end of your life? When would you like to have it? So he said, I don't know, let me ask my wife. His wife said, let's have it now. And maybe if God sees that we're using the good fortune wisely, maybe God will give us more time. Okay. So Yalandav, he blesses the man, and all of a sudden he discovers, in his, he's digging, and he discovers this whole treasure chest, enough to last for six years. So his wife says, let's use this money, let's help people. And they did. They took all the money, and they used the money to do chesed, to kindness. And at the end of six years, Elyonavi comes, Elyonavi says, I want the wealth back, I gave you wealth, and I want it back. So he told Elyonavi, just like I didn't take the money without my wife, I, want to, I can't return the money without my wife. And he goes to his wife, and his wife said, listen, I, I made a, a calculation of all that we did with the money, if Hashem this, this has a better person, better better um, uh, candidate to deposit these funds, then by all be it, but then by all means, but let's let's first let me show Yonavi what we've done. She shows she shows Yonavi how she's taking care of the funds for those years. Yonavi says blesses them and they continue to be successful. Hashem basically trusts someone with something and they use it wisely. And Hashem gives them more of that. 
So, sim- so, so the, the, what this couple did was that they they worked together. They they, they saw each other's value and and they and they gave room for each other and they did something beautiful together. So the question is, how do you reach that? How do you how do you merit to achieve such a level of shalom? There's, there's sometimes you know Hashem arranges things that that husband and wife out of like in a, like a crazy way sometimes out of nowhere Hashem causes peace between husband and wife. Some a friend of mine uh, had a whole issue with, and uh, they they God forbid they're really heading in, in a, not a good place. And then one of their children got hurt and they had to go to the hospital and they spent the whole Shabbos in the hospital and that that experience brought them together. There's a gentleman in our shul. Who uh, Rabbi Chaim? He uh, when he first became religious, uh, Rabbi Zaltzman then goes on notice that he doesn't. He wasn't wearing tzitzis. He's not wearing tzitzis. You're film. You're film, right? Said, well, I've never heard of it. So what are, what are tzitzis? What are, you, what are you supposed to do? Let me get you a pair of tzitzis. So he went. He went to uh, I guess to Chabad Mid City over there and on Fairfax, and he bought him this huge pair of tzitzis. So Chaim has this huge pair of tzitzis. And uh, his wife comes home. His wife is not really that religious, and his sits is basically like like dragging all over the floor. He's walking this. He says, "You clown! What are you doing?" So Chaim's like, "No, this is what Jews do. We wear sits." And you know, she has seen many weird things that Jews do in their experience of becoming religious. But this was definitely topped them all. But so she was a little skeptical. But all right. Anyways, Shabbos was very hard for them because they just newly become religious. And and what happened was was that um, what happened was was that uh, since a long summer Shabbos, she felt she had nothing to do. So he is all day in shul and coming back, and not much is happening, and she's bored. So after Shabbos, she said, "Let's go to a movie." They went to a movie. When they came back from the movie. So uh, he, he had he had very as a good gentleman, good husband. He took the sitzes and he stuffed them in his pockets, not to be, not to stick out in the movie theater. And the way back to the movie theater, they came back home, and he was then working for Rabzal Roth in the plumbing business. And he had his truck. He went to get something from his truck late at night. He's going to get his, going to his truck, and these two guys jump him. One guy says, "I am a robber. Give me all your money." So you have to hear how Chaim says it. It's very funny. I am a robber. That's what I'm doing. Give me your money. So, so Chaim like, okay, I have two dollars. Says, where's the rest of the money? He says, I'm not rich. I don't have a lot of money. He says, let me see what you have in your pockets. So he starts pulling out his tzitzis, <laughs> and he's like, what is this? He says, it's a string we wear to remind us of God's commandments. So the guy's like, okay, and he's pulling. It's like you know, like like a magician, <laughs> pulling and pulling and pulling one string, another string. And he's pulling and pulling. It's long and long. And he's like, how many commandments do you have? We have six, we have six hundred and thirteen commandments. He's like, whoa! Does everyone have to give six hundred thirteen commandments? He's like, no. What do we have to do if you're not Jewish? How many commandments do you have? Because then you have seven commandments. Well, what are the seven commandments? So he starts talking. The first one is don't steal. <laughs> and I starts explaining to them there's seven commandments, and these two guys are like listening to him, listening to him, and he's talking with passion. And eventually, like you know, what? let's just go. <laughs> and they, they, they 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 left him alone. Anyway, so getting back to our question, how do we merit to achieve this idea of shalom? So we're coming to Lagba Omer. What's Lagba Omer? 
So this Lagba Omer is a very unusual Yantif. What's the number one thing that Jews celebrate the whole year? That Jew, what's the number one attended event that Jews come to in any place in the world? Which place, which Yom Kippur? Which, which event has the most Jews coming to it the whole year? Nope. No. Way more than the than, than the Tameron. Uh, Tameron. Close to half a million Jews celebrate the Miron. What are they celebrating Miron? I mean, there are some people that they gravitate to like coming to Shul when there's a death, when there's this yard site, they come to Shul, they wear a kippah, they give out some machayim, they come to Shul once a year. But here, we're not talking about that. We're talking about people which are dancing in the cemetery, close to half a million people, they're dancing, they're celebrating. What's going on? What, why, why the celebration? Someone passed away. And we shouldn't pass away. So why are they celebrating? What does that mean? And another explanation, because of this question, some, some say that the main reason for celebrating Lagba Omer is because Rabbi Kiva's students, 24,000 students, they all passed away at this time of year, and they stopped dying on Lagba Omer. So that's the end of the plague. But then didn't they start dying again next year? There's an argument exactly when they stopped dying. There's two different but opinions. Everyone celebrates like Boimer. The question is, is it the day of the celebration of Rabbi Shumba Yochai? Oh, okay. Is celebration of, the, of, of when the Sunni Rukhira stopped dying? But either way, it's a tremendous celebration. And, and it's really a, a. But what is it? Which one, if, if it has to do with the students of Rabbi Shumba stopping to die, so some say, so why do we go to Miron? Why is that the place? So some say because Rabbi Kiva was, had five students left over. And those students are the source of all the Torah today. Those students include Rabbi Meir and Shemar Yochai. So if that's true, though, then why don't we celebrate Lagba Omer at the grave of Rameir, which is not so far from Meiron. Go to Rameir's grave. Rameir Shemar Yochai. Everyone goes to Shemar Yochai. They're close to half a million people. All of that grave. What's so special over there? What happened over there? So you, you cannot say it's because these students are the ones that, or Shemar Yochai was one of the students that remained because there are other students that remain too, and they also, also know where they were buried. So you have to say it's, the Rishim Yochai is not just the one who survived, it's because he's the one who affects the correction of the issue. Rishim Yochai is one who corrects the whole problem. Rishim Yochai really opened up a whole new era, a whole new way of looking at things, a whole new way of thinking. Until the time of Rishim Yochai, you know, there was a separation between the physical and the spiritual and Roshim uh, Yochai, really, he opened up a whole new layer of reality and made us be able to live in this world like we're living in a higher world. Like, you can't see uh, Wi-Fi waves. You can't see when the Wi-Fi is getting messed up and the switch to... Uh, you can't see electricity. You can't see Rentagon. You can't, some things you can't see. You know about, you believe, you see their effect. You can't see them. Roshim Yochai, he, he brought us in, in touch with the impact of a mitzvah. You do a mitzvah, the infant light of Hashem comes to the world. And what, what, what Abish Yisrael does, and what a bracha does, and, and, what, and what, what Amuna is, and what Amuna does, and, and all the things that we feel and we do, and the impact in, in this whole spiritual world, he, he opened us up to this whole, whole, whole consciousness. There was a uh, young boy who was studying to play the piano, and he was a pretty uh, bad student. So his teacher was uh, like... Trying, trying to uh, didn't really appreciate his presence, but he was very diligent and really cared about his studies. And 
his mother, who the teacher never met, was sick, and she would always bring him to uh, study the piano. And one day he told the teacher, my mother is too sick, she can't drive me anymore, I have to stop coming. She didn't really feel bad about it, because he he she felt that he just wasn't talented enough to, to understand these lessons. So, so, but one day she sent an invitation to a recital, all the students are going to perform, and Rabbi, you're welcome to perform too. Ravi comes and he performs like amazing. He does Mozart's uh, for six mo- six minutes. He's doing this amazing piece of Mozart, and the teacher is shocked. And she says to the student, "What happened? How did you learn how to do this?" And he said that I've I've been studying, and unfortunately, he said my mother is deaf, and she just died. This is the first time my mother has been able to hear me play. The idea of, Rabbi, of the of Jewish people celebrating Rav Boimer is that we've Rav Shmuel brought this higher world that we don't that before Rav was was wasn't even spoken about. He brought that world to us to, to celebrate to be here, and therefore the simcha, the joy. Usually, if someone passes away, maybe the tzaddik has, has a joy of being going upstairs, but we're we're in the darkness. But here, Rav Shmuel he brought the simcha of the higher world into this world. That's what Lagbaimer is called the day of the giving of the Torah, the day of the giving of the inner dimension of the Torah. It's the day when, it, when, when, it, when there was some, some blockade between heaven and earth that was, was taken away. So Rashimba Yochai, he is the one who is able to rectify the issue of the students of Rabbi Kiva who didn't respect each other. Why didn't the students respect each other? What, what was going on? Each student felt, you know, I have my way of looking at things. And I understand the Torah my way. Everyone went to Bikiva's class, and everyone, uh, I don't want anyone to get in trouble to uh, coming home from my class and have to spit on my eye tomorrow. So, uh, so I'm going to try to make this very, very short. Um, in short, in short, it's like this. If Shema Yechai was in the cave for 12 years, right? What's he doing in the cave for 12 years? While he's in the cave for so many years, he's like in this spiritual holy aquarium, just scuba diving in Torah with his son in this, in this amazing place. And they come out of the cave, what do they say? They see someone plowing and planting, and like, what's, what's going on? How can someone forget the Torah? And, and the person died. So God declares, go back into the cave, go back home, go, guys, guys, cut, go back home, go back into the cave. You want to destroy my world? They go back in the cave. And when they came out of the cave the next time, Rabbi Shimba Yochai comes with a different proposal. He says to the Jewish people, is there anything I could do that the world needs that I could fix? And in fact, the merit of Shimba Yochai is so great that he said, I could relieve the world of any, any punitive consequences till the Kanga Mashiach. The Rabbi told many people, we needed a bracha to ask for bracha on the day of Lag Ba'imer, and or even things that were going on that, that needed to happen. I said, when time Lag Ba'imer, therefore this bracha will happen, don't worry about it. Throughout the year, people waited for Lag Ba'imer to ask their rabbi for bracha for children, because that's a special time when that bracha comes to the world. So, Rabshim Yechaya, he, he said, Is there anything the world needs, anything the world needs that I could fix? And they told Rabshim Yechaya, Well, actually, we have this problem. In traffic, you know, there's a lot of traffic because of con, you need to travel from place to place, and there's some might have been buried here. Can you help us out with this? Can you tell us if someone is buried here or not? And 
Shimei Yochai basically came to, and he, 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 he helped them with the problem, and there was no longer a detour for the Kohanim, and people were able to, to uh, didn't have to worry about that detour. So he just finished, he fixed up a very slight, small problem. That's where Shimei Yochai, although he was a cave kind of person, he was totally devoted to spirituality, yet he brought it down. And he, he didn't do things only in his way, in his way of serving God. Instead, he left room for other people, and he thought how to bring this down and how to help people in a tangible way. Although he personally was a very lofty, spiritual, transcendent person, he brought it down as like, and he, he didn't just go in his way of serving God, in his transcendent, you know, uh, he brought, he, how can I help the world? So he didn't, what was unique about him was that he wasn't, wasn't just in one world. He was, he was able to limit his divine inspiration and to function in a way that brought benefit to other people. So the idea of Hashem really is the idea of Shalom. What's the idea of Shalom? It says before Shalom means that you leave room for someone else. What happens by Shimon Eretz? You get to Oser Shalom. What are you supposed to do? Get to Oser Shalom. Walk three steps back. The best way to make peace is number one: take three steps back, soften your position, realize that your position is room for another opinion. Take three steps back and listen. Actually, listen to the other person. And seek to understand before trying to be understood. The Reb Marash, um, I'll conclude, conclude this story. Uh, Reb Marash, um, he would uh, see people for a private audience, and after a few people came to visit him, he had to change his clothing. He was so full of sweat. And someone asked one of the intense Reb Marash, somehow he remarked that something that Reb Marash explained. You know why I have to, I have to uh, change my clothing so often? I get when it comes so sweaty? Because when I have a private audience with someone, what do I do? I take off my clothing, I put on their clothing, and I have to, and I have to be in their world in order to answer them. So each time I'm, another person comes in the room, I have to take off my clothing, put on their clothing, it's, and so it's strenuous. And therefore, it, it takes to, so much out of it. That's the meaning of shalom. The meaning of shalom is, is that you're, you're moved back from your position, and you listen and hear what the other person is, and that's the koyach of the Hashem B'yachai. And Hashem should help that this Lag should be a time of bracha for all the Jewish people, for all of us, Yisrael. And uh, by the way, I'm going to the oil. If anyone wants to send a letter to the oil, I'm going to go to our Ashbi. You saw the Luding Torah this week with the Moshe Rabbi Weiss from Shimon Oaks. He, his father came to the Rebbe and he asked her for a bracha. They said, what about the Rashbi? He came, and said, like, he came to like Bamber to the Rebbe. The Rebbe said, why don't you go to the Rashbi? He said, I want a bracha from this Rashbi. Mm-hmm. Now I gave him a bracha from one of my bunnies. So uh, it was a tremendous time, tremendous bracha. And uh, yeah, Machayim.